Welcome back to the program. Think about the real divisive issues today, both at home and in the wider world. Radical Islamic faith tearing apart the Middle East, the faith that drives suicide bombers to the far corners of the planet, and at home, divisions about abortion, marriage, and end-of-life issues. At a time when, with the end of the Cold War, the focus both at home and abroad should be on the global economy, health, energy, science, hunger, ending territorial disputes, and ending regional conflicts, time and again, the conflict turns back to religion. Islamists, the religious right, all seem allied to restrict rather than enhance individual rights. And we know from history that such efforts always are the foundation of greater conflict and sometimes revolution. So how as a global society do we balance religious freedom with freedom from religion? The answer today sometimes seems impossible. And all of this brings us back to atheism and why is it so hard for atheists to get their message heard? My guest, David Silverman, has been at the forefront of that effort to convey that message. David Silverman is the president of American Atheists and one of the best-known atheists in America. His new book is Fighting God, an Atheist Manifesto for a Religious World. David Silverman, thanks so much for joining us. Jeff, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Delight, Good to be here. Delight to have you here. Why is it that it is so hard for people like you to get their message out? Why is it that among all the, the cacophony of religious discussion that is out there, arguably far too much of it, is, is your message and the atheist message often so drowned out? Well, that's because most of religion uh, talks down about atheism on a regular basis. Religion degrades atheists on a regular basis because we are the enemy of religion. Uh, that we are the ones who call it all bull, 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 bonk, whatever we call it. We are the ones that cast doubt on that which should be doubted but is not doubted, that which should be questioned but demands not to be questioned. So we are the ones who are literally the enemies of those who make money selling the lie of religion, and that goes across all religions. I mean, if you look at um, – if you ever look at the debates, you see debates that they're always theist versus atheist. They're never – one religion versus another. And that's because no religion has any proof over any other religion. Uh, and so they can't really argue or debate my religion is better than yours. They can only debate their creationism versus, um, versus evolution, versus what we know, versus science. And that makes a gang-up mentality. That makes all religions uh, the enemy of atheism. And so they all talk badly about atheists. They all talk poorly about us. They all take credit for morality, you're moral because you're religious, because you're in this religion. Therefore, if you don't have this religion, you're not moral. Therefore, atheists are not moral. So there's this incredible religion-based bigotry against atheists, and it is nationwide, and it is permeating our society. The good news is it's finally waning, and we're seeing serious progress made. And how much of that comes from the fact, and, and this goes to your point about seldom hearing religions fighting each other, how much of that goes to what we're hearing now where, where we do have this divide between Judeo-Christian religion and Islamist religion, and, and the fact that those two are indeed fighting each other at the moment? Well, they fight each other, but they don't debate each other, okay? Religions fight each other all the time. That's fine, but they don't debate each other. That's what I was talking about. When we're looking at religions fighting each other, we're looking at the problem of objective morality. We're looking at my opinion is perfectly moral. My opinion is perfectly aligned with my God. Therefore, anything that's away from that 
is wrong and evil. And that is why we've always had these religious wars, because any, any kind of outgroup from a religious war is not just considered different, it's considered evil, even objectively bad. And that's why we have constant religious conflicts. I mean, if you just look at the Middle East, everybody is 100% sure they're right. Mm -hmm. And if you look at ISIL, they're 100% sure they're right. Um, in the, the problem that we have, the reason that religions fight each other, is that they can't admit when they're wrong. They can't admit when they could be wrong. They can't admit when they're only equal to the other religions. That's why they fight, and that's why it's not going to end until religions really absorb the fact that all religious opinion is just opinion. All of it. 100% of religion is cafeteria religion. You only believe in the God you believe in because, you, because it's your thoughts, it's your opinions. And that's why people make up their own gods. And until they realize that, until they realize that religion is just opinion, uh, they're going to have this objective morality that's going to uh, prompt them to fight each other and kill each other, and that's why we're going to see ISIL, and that's why we're going to see the Christian right killing abortion doctors. And yet we have, in the West, we have this patina of religious freedom that we cloak ourselves in, but that doesn't seem to come with the freedom from religion. And, and this is where the separation of church and state comes in. You, you, you mentioned in your intro, how are we going to get along with all these religions? The only way that that's going to happen ever is with the separation of church and state, and when people understand that the separation of church and state is a synonym for religious freedom. Every step away you get from the separation of church and state is a step towards religious tyranny, when one religion gets advantages over another. More advantages, more tyranny. The only way we can all be equal in a peaceful society is if the separation of church and state, separation of religion and government, is protected and preserved emphatically. Now the problem is, Every religion hates that. Every religion hates the separation of church and state. They want to state and their church to be merged because it gives them power. It gives them relevance. It gives them a leg up. It gives them lots and lots of money. So the religion will, religion will constantly fight the separation of church and state simply because it benefits them to do so. And that is the, to the, so that puts it in a, in a very different situation because now we're talking about religions convincing the religious people to help religion to the detriment of those religious people by supporting the merger of religion and government. So religion is actually urging their supporters to hurt themselves, reduce their own freedom in support of the church and, and its merger with the state. It's a very interesting situation. It is, and it is one with deep, deep historical roots that this, this merging, as you say, between the state and religion for reasons of power and reasons of money goes really to the beginning of time in many respects, to the beginning of, of current historical time. Well, sure, uh, because religion and government have been, used, have been using each other uh, really since they both existed. Uh, religion is a great thing for government to use to gain power. Uh, government is a great thing for the religion to use to gain money. So if you look in history, if you look in human history, you're going to see a lot of that, um, you know, religion was a, originally invented apparently by the Neanderthals about 150,000 years ago, and it's been used since then um, to join people together to make in-groups and out-groups to, to unite against enemies, to unite against factional tribes. 
Um, and that is how the government's formed uh, between church and state. But now we realize that when we have a plurality of society, we realize that, again, religion is nothing more than opinion. We must reduce that down to, okay, well, if it's only more than opinion, and it is, if religion is completely subjective, and it is, uh, then we must give everybody exactly equal rights. And the only way to do that is to put a great big wall of separation between religion and government. Talk about the aspect of it that is so tribal, because that that is a critical part of it, both from a historical perspective and arguably even more so from a contemporary perspective, where the breaking down of so many divisions in society really has created a greater need or a greater desire on the part of many people for some kind of tribal connection, and religion fills that bill. Yeah, religion does fill the bill, and it's not the only thing that does. Um, people have to understand there's lots of ways to get your sense of community, your, your sense of, of belonging other than religion. And if you look at other countries, Denmark, Sweden, uh, the Netherlands, um, you're, you're talking, you can see how that works when, when there's a secular society with a very little religion in it. But yeah, people like to be connected to each other. People like to be, um, people like to be social. We are a social animal. And religion provides that tribal nature that we probably evolutionarily crave. Um, and it, it, it goes to our core. Uh, when, pe- when people are raised in a Jewish, Christian, Muslim household, they are raised not to think that they have any sort of opinion on this. They are raised, you are a Jew, you are a Muslim, you are a Christian. And so that when you, when you attack the religion, you attack the people, or at least that's what they feel. And that's where we get a lot of that pushback from when, when, when atheists come out, you know, you're attacking me, you're attacking my mother, you're attacking my family. No, I'm just attacking the lie that you've been told. Um, and, and, it, and it cuts down deep, and it's something that we as atheists have to internalize, that when we're talking about religion, uh, we're talking about uh, a serious level of brainwashing uh, brought on by that tribalism. Uh, religion is very, very cellular. It's very, very cyclical. Um, you know, if you just take... Uh, in, in, in Christianity, is a good example. You know, they all have the same Bible, but there are thousands of different sects of Christianity, and those are all self-evolving. Those are all, they all have their leaders, they all have their followers, um, and they all have this tribal nature uh, that will separate them from the others and make them the in-group and the others the out-group. And that's where religious strife thrives. Talk about what you're seeing in the West where there seems to be a generational shift away from some of this tribalism, and yet in places like the Middle East where the generational shift is precisely the opposite, and young people are, are, are grasping religion with even greater ferocity. Well, I don't know too much about why people are grasping religion with greater ferocity in the, in the East. I don't know that part, but I do know what, what's happening here in America. And what's happening here in America is the wonderful thing called the Internet. The Internet is... Uh, that's what's going to kill religion in America. Um, people are losing religion because they finally have access to information. People are losing religion because they finally have access to people outside their religion. And people are losing religion because the tribal nature that people have, you know, the society uh, is becoming an online society. It's not becoming a neighborhood anymore. It's becoming an online society. My child is 18 years old, and she has lots and lots of friends that she's never met before. She's never shaken their hands or even, or even seen them in person um, because she picked them. She didn't pick them from the local area, which was 
you know, just kids, kids right like her. Uh, she picked kids um, that were like her personally, that were like her personality. So she's got a lot of friends that are just like her from all over the world. That's her new tribe. And so what we're seeing is that in America, not only is the information that religion is false much more readily available, but people have no need for it anymore because people are understanding that not knowing something isn't an answer for their God. It's just not knowing it. And so they have access to all this information and they have so much access to people who agree with them. You know, when I was young, I had to, when I was 12 years old, I had to ride my bike two uh, miles to the local library to get the one book on atheism at the local library. That's all there was. I was the only atheist I knew. Today, kids these days cannot have that feeling. They cannot. Because all they have to do is log on to Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr and just find thousands and thousands of people just like them. You can't feel alone. If you can't feel alone, you cannot feel as isolated. You will feel more emboldened. You will look at the information and you'll find it. And this is why religion is dying. And this is why the Internet is atheism's best friend. Is it the goal of atheism and of atheists to be antithetical towards religion or simply to keep that separation between church and state as strong as possible and allow individuals to live and let live, essentially, and believe whatever it is that they want to believe? Well, Jeff, there's really no goal of atheism. If I, uh, I, I would have to answer that on an individual level because there are some atheists who are one way and some atheists who are another. A lot of atheists just prefer the live and let live mentality. That's mm -hmm. probably the vast majority of atheists. You know, you do your thing, I do my thing, but that does not include me paying higher taxes for your religion. That does not include, um, you know, the, the government endorsing one religion over another. A lot of atheists are in that camp. However, I am not in that camp. I see, a, I see theism as a lie, theism as a scam. A re religion is a con, and I think it deserves to die. And I don't think it uh, needs to live. And uh, no, I'm not going to, if somebody is religious, I'm not going to get all in their face and try and convert them out of it um, unless the discussion starts. And if the discussion starts, uh, I'm, I'm not going to give religion any sort of buy or any sort of respect because I have no respect for religion. It's a con. It's a lie. It's a scam. It hurts people. Religion deserves to die. That's my opinion. But of course, you know, it's a little like fighting aspects of evolution. You're going against 3,000 years of, of historical precedent, and, and that's a little hard to uproot. Yeah, it's very hard to uproot because, like I said, when you talk about fighting the lie, you're not just talking about the lie. You're talking about the scam that has been generationally embedded in. You're talking about the brainwashing that people have received from birth that they are a Christian Muslim Jew and that their religion is right. So it's a big fight. And I don't think that fight is the most efficient fight for American atheists to have. Uh, American atheists as an organization, we concentrate on getting atheists who are already atheists out of the closet and calling themselves atheists because from a changing the country perspective, it's a much more efficient use of our time. That's why if you look at our billboards, the target market of our billboards is never people who are believers. It's always the atheists who are sitting in the church pews. Uh, for instance, our billboards this year were, you know, just go ahead and skip church. You know, no Christian's going to see go ahead and skip church and skip church. But the atheists might think about it. The atheists might hear about it. They, they might think it's more important. So uh, 
when we talk about um, the target market of American atheists, we don't talk about converting believers. But yes, on a personal level, on a personal level, I think religion is evil and it deserves to die. Go to the heart of the argument that you're talking about and and the focus on those that are atheists that haven't come out and, and admitted that yet. Why is that so difficult, that aspect of it so difficult? It's because of the bigotry that we were talking about before. Atheists are among the most hated groups in the country. And among religious groups, they hate us a lot. And sometimes you're going to lose your family members. Sometimes you're going to lose your friends. Sometimes you're going to lose your job. Um, and it's very, very hard. And, and in fighting God, I make the, um, I, I run some numbers. I like numbers a lot, Jeff. And in fighting God, I run some numbers and I come up with a number of 27%, 27% of Americans approximately are atheists today. But according to polls, that number is closer to 3%. Now that means 90% of America's atheists call themselves something other than atheists whether they be agnostics or secular or Christians, Muslims, or Jews. Now, just think about that for a second. Think about how much we would change our country if the number of atheists in this country were to increase by tenfold. And we can do that without converting a single person. We can do that without changing a single person's idea on God. That's why we concentrate on, on closeted atheists. That's why we concentrate on these people, to pull them out of the closet if they can come out. And... You know, there are some people who can't come out. There are some people, like you said, who simply cannot come out due to the bigotry against atheists. And that, I maintain, makes it more important for those of us who can come out to come out because that makes it activism. That de-demonizes the word. That de-demonizes atheism on the whole. And that will, in the long run, help those who cannot come out today come out tomorrow. What about those that claim to be agnostic as, as, as sort of a, a fallback position? I hate that word. Agnostic is the worst word that anybody can use as far as I'm concerned. It's completely meaningless. And when I say that, I mean that people who use the word think they know what the word means. Uh, they usually don't. And they think the listeners know what the word means, and they usually don't. So agnostic is a, is a zero word, and it is a cop-out word because, uh, of course, agnostic talks about how much you know, not what you believe. Atheism is about what you believe. I don't have a theism. I'm an atheist. So when somebody says, I'm not an atheist, I'm an agnostic, um, they are atheists. They are definitely atheists. Um, but they are shying away from the word, and it is, again, because of that bigotry, people are afraid to call themselves atheists. So agnostic is this useless term. And again, anybody who's hearing it, when, when, you, when, an, agno when an atheist calls himself an agnostic, they might think there's like a 0.000001% chance of anything supernatural. But what the listeners hear is a 50-50 shot. They hear a 50-50 shot, and they hear a 50-50 shot for their own God. So they're not conveying the correct information when you call yourself an agnostic. You're hiding. You're, and, and I ask people to, to wonder why. Why are you hiding? Why are you trying to make it easy on people who are bigoted against us instead of attacking the bigotry, putting a face to the word, and actually, call, and actually calling out the bigotry and making it better for the next person? And, what's the answer, and what is do. the answer you get most of the time? Uh, a lot of it is fear. A lot of it is fear. A lot of it is, I don't know, they don't even think about it. Uh, they, they don't even know the, de the definitions of the words. And this is one of the big problems in atheism in America right now, because we don't know the definitions of the words. Uh, the, the definitions are so clouded, 
that we don't even know what we're, own, or what, what we're talking about. So that's why in Fighting God, chapter one of Fighting God is all about definitions, and it's all about the importance of using the correct word to convey the correct meaning. Otherwise, you're just speaking meaningless gibberish and not causing any change. Is there a danger in, in that attitude? Is there a danger in taking up the same kind of proselytizing towards atheism that, that one criticizes religion for proselytizing? Well, there is, and that it can be seen that way. And so there's two things that you have to remember. One is that uh, we're right and they're wrong. And when I say that we're right and we're wrong, I understand that they say the same things. But when you come to the set of knowledge that the human race has, the only theological position that agrees with all that stuff is atheism. That's what makes us right and them wrong. And that's what makes preaching atheism telling the truth and preaching religion telling a lie. And the other thing is that we're not really uh, evangelizing atheism here. We're evangelizing activism. We're evangelizing coming out as atheism. And the reason that we're doing that is because we're trying to help the entire country not just atheists. We're helping Christians, Muslims, and Jews as well, even if they don't know it, because what we're doing when we do that is supporting a hard line of separation of church and state, which benefits everybody except religions and the people who, run, who make money off of it. Is it counterproductive, though? Is taking such a hard line proselytizing position with respect to atheism, does that make it more difficult in some respects to create this firewall between church and state? I don't think so. Um, I, I think that the, the soft approach hasn't worked all this time. And I think that uh, progress has never been made in this country without somebody standing up and saying no, without somebody standing up and saying this is wrong, this is unethical, this is a lie, this is a scam, this is a con. Uh, ch change does not get made with just the nice guy approach. We need the firebrands in there. We need the Malcolm X's. We need the bra burners. We need the people who are doing the hard work to, to, to raise the issues that people don't otherwise want to raise. Um, and that's how the conversation gets started. Without the firebrand atheism and American atheists, uh, this country would be different. And I can show you that. I can prove it because I have lots of numbers to support myself in fighting God. That's why I, um, I'm very happy with the fact that uh, fighting God is so numbers-oriented because the things that I'm telling you, I can actually, I can actually support with independent, independent quantitative data. Uh, at firebrand atheism is substantially helping this country, and it's not hurting us in any measurable way that I can find. I mean, the numbers and the science behind it, it's a two-edged sword. I mean, you know, people that argue climate change make, make the same powerful case in terms of what the science shows, and yet there are still huge swaths of people that just deny it. Yeah, because they lie, because there are liars behind it, right? And it's, it's a good analogy, because the people who are denying climate change are, are, are liars, okay? They, they, the numbers don't lie. Numbers never lie. Uh, and when people look at the numbers and they deny them, they have an agenda. And when people look at the facts behind what we know as a, as a, uh, as, as a, as a, as a, as a human species and deny that in favor of their God, they have an agenda. And they never deny um, facts in favor of somebody else's God. They never say, gee, you can't prove how the universe began, therefore Vishnu, therefore Allah. They always say, therefore, their God. So there's always an agenda involved, and that's something that we as truth-tellers have to fight. Uh, there's money involved. There's, um, there's agendas involved. 
there's positions involved, there's numbers involved, but most importantly, there's truth involved. And when it comes to truth, atheists have a monopoly. Talk a little bit about where you see this battle going as more and more extremism does enter into the political discussion, as more and more religion becomes part of the political discussion. So what we're seeing is more and more religion is becoming political, and, and this is what you're seeing. You're seeing a, a lot of people not calling Islamic terrorism Islamic terrorism. You're seeing a lot of people not calling Christian terrorism Christian terrorism, and we have to get past that. Uh, the reason they're not calling one one and the, the other other is because of those agendas. We have the responsibility to raise the fact that Christian terrorism and Islamic terrorism is both rooted in the same great lie of God. My God wants me to do this. It is objectively moral for me to do this. I'm going to shoot this abortion doctor because it's the right thing to do because it pleases my God. I'm going to walk through the streets of Paris killing people randomly because it's the right thing to do because it pleases my God. This is what is happening on a global level. And it's up to atheists to stand up and say, hey, if we're going to make it through this, this period of our lives, we have to understand that religious opinion is just opinion. Nobody is objectively right. And let's just work on equality and making sure that everybody understands not just what to think, but how to think so that we can move together as a society without killing ourselves over silly myths of yesteryear. But is it is it right to focus the argument on the extremes? I mean, whether it's it's the shooting of doctors or whether it's Islamic terrorism, using the extremes as a basis for the argument in some ways undercuts the argument. Oh, I, I don't think they're the exceptions at all. I, I think everything is an exception. Every religion is individual. So you can look at some, you know, what we call mainstream religions, and you're going to see factions you know, everywhere that are going to have uh, really, really extreme factions. Um, I don't think we need to separate out one versus the other because all religion, whether it's extreme or moderate, is individual. Even the most mellow religions, it's individual. People make it up, okay? People invent their own gods. I believe in a God that loves everybody. I believe in a God that hates everybody. It, it, they just make it up, and then they look in their Bible to justify it, and then they call themselves objective. This is what all religion does, and it's all a lie, and it's all a scam. Even the most mellow religion that talks about loving and loving because God tells you to love, that's still a scam because they still don't know what their God wants. They just make it up, and they're using a God to defend their, their position. They're using God wants this to defend their position. It's exactly the same argument. And it's just taken to an extreme, and you can see how one feeds into the other. If, if, if you use the same argument, that argument can just be extrapolated. And that's how kids get recruited into the more uh, extreme examples, the, the more extreme examples of religious tyranny. What about in, in the vast middle of the country? Talk about how this argument plays out as you make it around the country. So I, I've been going around the country uh, – you know, for, for years now, I've been president of American Atheists for many years, for five years, six years. And uh, in the middle of the country, um, I, I love going to the middle of the country. I love going to the Bible Belt because that's where I meet so many atheists. And that sounds counterintuitive, but the fact is that the, the redder the area, the more Christian conservative the area, the more there are oppressed atheists. Atheists who don't like it, atheists who feel oppressed by the religious tyranny, atheists who feel uh, oppressed by their surroundings. So they are more likely to come out and, and, and be active. So we've got some really fantastic activists in the Bible Belt. 
uh, at American Atheists, and they're starting their own groups and they're starting their own um, organizations. And what we're seeing is a really nice growth of atheism in the Bible Belt. And I'm uh, really positive about that. I'm really having uh, some very positive experiences with our atheists there. And what they're doing is they're de-demonizing in a very, very uh, lion's den type of uh, situation. They're de-demonizing atheism uh, in their local areas. Um, and I think what you're going to see is a very big expansion of atheism in the Bible Belt. I think in our lifetimes we're going to see um, a lot less religion uh, because of the growth of atheism, not only in the coastal cities, but also inside the belly of the, the Bible Belt. What about in terms of political leadership and its refusal to even acknowledge atheism? And that's something that we really have to fix, and that's what uh, atheists have to do. And we have to start using the word atheist. We have to start telling the, the, um, the, the candidates that we're atheists. American Atheists is launching the Atheist Voter Platform for this. Um, and Here's, a, here's an interesting observation I've made, and, and I don't have enough data points to come to a conclusion, but I have noticed that the front runner on the Republican side is obviously the least religious candidate, the person who ki- couldn't name a single uh, Bible verse, even though the Bible was his favorite book. Um, he, couldn't name, he couldn't name John 3.16. He, he couldn't name Genesis 1, okay? Um, but, and on the Democratic side, you've got Bernie Sanders, who calls himself a non-religious Jew, which is an atheist. So I believe we've got two atheists up on the presidential candidacy right now, and I believe that they're not getting any sort of grief at all from the religious right because the religious right has lost so much power that they can't, uh, that, that, that they're afraid to do that. Uh, they're afraid of the repercussions because if they out somebody as an atheist, perhaps um, nothing will happen as nothing has happened when uh, Bernie Sanders called himself a non-religious Jew. Um, I, I think what we're seeing is a shift. I think we're going to see that shift. Um, I think uh, atheism is coming into the forefront just now. Um, last year, uh, we had the first ever uh, federal-level politician actively solicit the atheist vote by name. Senator Cory Booker out of New Jersey, uh, and he faced no repercussions by the religious right. He faced any any one. Um, so what I think we're seeing here is uh, the shift in the paradigm of America and American politics. It's a slow shift. We all want it to be faster, but I do believe it is definitely happening. I think if we went back 10 years or 15 years and the lead Republican candidate couldn't name a single Bible verse, he wouldn't be the lead Republican candidate anymore. David Silverman, his book is Fighting God, an Atheist Manifesto for a Religious World. David, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Jeff, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it, and uh, have a great one. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.